Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. This is Pops, and today we're going to continue our discussion about Daredevil Season 1. Daredevil Season 1 Part 2. Yeah. And uh, welcome everybody. Hope you have your coffee. If not, uh, put us on pause, go get a cup, and <laughs> sit, sit back and relax and enjoy some time Yeah, with us. Yes. So we hinted at this uh, discussion towards the end of the last episode, but we do need to talk a little bit about the distribution of this uh, this TV show. So obviously this was the first to be a Netflix original in the uh, MCU. And yes, that like we talked about it, it's so it has a kind of a unique challenge when it comes to being collected. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned it, it not being an actual DVD in your collection, right? Right. Well, yeah, here's the thing. When it came out originally, it just came out in Blu-ray. And since my collection almost is entirely DVD, um, I had to search and search and search. And I found it very frustrating that you could purchase a Daredevil DVD, uh, but not for our region. Hmm. You could get it in German. You could get it uh, for Britain. You could get it for Asia. You could get it for Australia, but not for the United States. So what I wound up doing is, uh, after doing a lot of research, I found a company called EasyGo that offered it on DVD. Hmm. And they could offer it for any region whatsoever. Well, just a uh, warning to others, be very careful what you get from other countries. Hmm. Because what I wound up getting was a DVD for another region. Right. And when I tried to contact them to get it replaced, I got an email back from them saying they would send me a new copy, which a month later I still didn't get it. And then I tried to contact them again and they wouldn't return my email. So I wound up having to get it on Blu-ray, but by that time, I also had to pick it up from out of country. Yeah. But I was able to get one that had English, and it was for our region. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I had the DVD case, yeah. so I put the Blu-rays in there. Yeah. Um, however, there are some reputable companies in other countries. You just, what I would suggest is to deal with companies that either are on eBay or Amazon. That way you'll have some uh, additional protection in case there is an issue. Right. But like you said, there was some kind of a distribution issue with Netflix, I think. Yeah, and the the challenging thing, I think, is and we're not there yet, but and th- there, there's this whole uh, subculture uh, dedicated to finding lost media. So... Um, you know, there there are things that were released only on VHS that never came out on anything else or broadcast only once or twice. And, you know, there's an underground, you know, following of those things. I'm thinking of things like the Star Wars holiday special and things like that. And 
I'm wondering if shows like Daredevil or some of the other stuff that's like uh, a uh, exclusively streaming thing, what's going to happen to those in the future? Something. Well, I, I have to say that Iron Fist, yeah, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, you could get all of those season ones uh-huh. in the United States, but again, only in Blu-ray. Right. Three years after Jessica Jones season one came out, uh, it eventually came to the U.S. on DVD. Right. But never DVD for any of the other stuff. Uh-huh. Not at all, period. Yeah. Uh, there was other regions where you could pick all those things up on DVD, but not in the U.S. And I find it very frustrating that they don't even offer it in the United States on DVD, not even for a little bit, but they will sell it in DVD in other countries. Yeah. Which makes no sense because, like you said, it's a streaming thing in that, that people can watch. Yeah. And I guess you could... Uh, they have that voodoo thing, I guess it is, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. other things similar to that where I guess you could collect them you know, on a little cartridge thing, you know? But you know I'm not there electronically. Well, it's not even so much about that. It's really about the uh, ownership of physical media. You know, there's this... And, and, you know, we see that with video games. We see that with a couple other things. Just this... uh, You're you're not really purchasing something physical. You're purchasing a license to consume that piece of media. And that is... That can go away. And the disc is a little bit more permanent. So, yeah, it's interesting. Right. What happens if that does go away? Then you right. don't have it anymore, right? Yeah. As we are well aware, we're, we're now in the uh, age where Disney, who owns Marvel, has a competing streaming service. And that's the reason why we don't have any more Daredevil than we do now. And Disney's bringing its own series, which I am excited about. I mean, really, I'm really excited about uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, mostly uh, the other ones seem interesting too but that's the one i'm most excited about will we ever see a, a charlie cox come back and play mac murdoch i mean there's there's rumors right now that he might appear as uh peter parker's lawyer in the third spider-man movie but that's just a rumor i really hope it's true but uh you know if we don't i mean that's gonna be a big disappointment because uh, as we said in the first is that you know this was uh, everybody that was casted in this was uh, really really excellent so We'll see. Oh, yes. There's not a single, I don't believe there's a single actor in this entire series that isn't well cast in the role that they play. Yeah. Anyways, saying that, um, I do want to say that I was able to get uh, season two and season three on DVD. Good. From China. Uh Another company, another company in China, but they came out exactly correct and i was real happy about that good also what i forgot to mention too is that uh was able to get the punisher series that they had on netflix yes in the united states Hmm. on dvd go figure yeah that's interesting yes but maybe like i said because it wasn't part of the mcu yeah maybe that was why could be uh, maybe that Marvel had their hands on Daredevil and Iron Fist and 
uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, but not on the Punisher part. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. All right. Well, enough said about that. Again, be warned, be careful, make sure that you research the foreign companies if you're buying video DVDs or Blu-rays from out of the country. Yep. All right. So said that. Yep. Uh, last week we did chapter one or episode one into the ring. Right. Right. We're going to see how far we can get from there. There's a total of 13 episodes. Right. Uh, like you had mentioned last week, the episodes have uh, the names have something. Some of them, most of them have a boxing reference to them. Yes. And episode two is called uh, Cut Man. Right. And so that episode, one thing I have to say about uh, watching a series like this is that the baggage that you normally have to get rushed through on a movie, they have the time to delve into uh, the baggage of each different area that they want to through the entire uh, series or season. Correct. Which makes it a lot more easily digestible it is but it's also a um it can be done poorly and so i'm sure when we get the chance to talk about iron fist uh, i think they really did drop the ball there so um, we'll we'll get to that but you're right in this particular case uh they did a fantastic job they can actually let story points breathe a little bit they can let characters breathe they you know you get more time to explore more of the world of Hell's Kitchen in uh, in the series, over 13 episodes. Correct. And we also are seeing Matt Murdock in a black mask and wearing, yeah. uh, you know, like blue jeans and uh, yeah. elbow pads and knee pads and things of that nature. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Uh, go ahead and finish what you were going to say, though. Well, just I'm going to say that that was only the second time and that I ever saw Daredevil in that way. The only other time that I saw it that way uh -huh. was actually in a made-for-TV movie when they had the Incredible Hulk TV series. Yes. Where he was David Banner. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a... Actually, there were two movies. One that he was the Hulk with Thor and right. one the Hulk with Daredevil. Yeah. And that was the last time that I saw that in a TV series where the Daredevil was wearing the black mask. Yeah, and I think that the uh, – I think you're talking about – I think it's – is it called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk? I think that's the name of the TV movie. Uh, that is one of them, yes. Yeah, and I, I think can't that – remember the name of the other one. But yeah, so yes. – and I think that was supposed to be originally – it was originally envisioned as a backdoor pilot for She-Hulk, which never happened, but – that would have been interesting because obviously um, that character is also a lawyer. So anyway, that's interesting rabbit trail. But uh, but I'm glad you brought that up about his uh, mask. Yes, the costume. So it, it's funny because we, we were watching it with uh, subtitles on. And up until actually even the whole series, when it shows like him talking, it doesn't say Daredevil. It says Man in the Mask. That's kind of like been his entire name up until the very, very last episode, which I thought was really cool. But the outfit that he has is exactly – it's taken – it's ripped right from the pages from the book 
that Frank Miller uh, did back in 1993 called Daredevil, The Man Without Fear. Really? That's in, that's interesting. So, and this is would be a recommend if you want to go and read some more of the source material. That it's a five uh, issue uh, mini series. You can, I think, you can buy the trade paperback, so you can get it all in one book. And like I said, it's five issues. Frank Miller wrote it, and I think John uh, Ramada um, Jr. also worked on it as well. And it's just like. The series here, I mean, there's so much that's ripped right from the pages. I mean, the fact that uh, Stick is kind of uh, pay, plays a key role, as he does in this. Yeah. He, uh, throughout, up until the very last issue, he has the black mask, and he, he has a black shirt and uh, sweatpants with uh, with uh, sneakers. So he, like, he has, like, these white Adidas that he's wearing, but he's, you know, being a superhero in that thing. The mask is exactly the same. And then at the very last couple of pages of the final book, he has uh, the red costume. So it's very similar to that. So I I would recommend looking at it. And uh, the name again for our listeners? Daredevil, Man Without Fear. And that's by Frank Miller, right? Yeah. Okay, that's great. And I I would um, assume... I would bet that maybe if you, once we can go back to places like Second and Charles, yeah, uh, you might even find it in the graphic novel section. I would imagine. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's good. That's a good preamble for for the the show itself. We covered a lot of ground there. So um, let's talk about it. All uh, right, Cut Man. Yeah. Uh, this is where we uh, hear the story about Matt losing his. Uh, Eyesight, his father, right. uh, b- being a boxer, and uh, winds up getting killed by the Irish mob mm-hmm. because he was told to lose a match, and instead he decided to win it. Right. We also see that uh, it's all intertwined with his first attempt to rescue the boy that got kidnapped at the end of episode one. Yeah. A very bad outcome the first time around, and yes. that's where we get to uh, meet Claire Temple, right? the nurse. She finds him in a dumpster, mm-hmm. and there's a time when they're doing things together. She's healing him. Yeah. We find that there's somebody going around the apartments where everybody lives looking for somebody right. that is hurt. Yep. Matt explains his abilities she knows that he's blind he says that uh they come to her door and she says she hadn't seen him and matt tells her that uh they don't believe you they wind up torturing him actually the guy that she thought was a cop uh on the roof of their building as i recall and so we go through a lot of stuff about that he winds up finding out where the boy is at uh, dumps the guy over the side into a dumpster. She says, oh, you killed him? No, I didn't kill him. He's just hurt, you know? Yeah. And uh, then he does rescue the boy. Yeah. So I think that the, 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 the two interesting things about that is we kind of get, well, actually, there's three really big things going on in this episode. The first one is we get the backstory, like you said, about battling Jack Murdoch and the tragic past of what happened to to matt as a boy the the other thing that's huge is that we get kind of he almost has like an eth a bat batman ethos where he doesn't want to kill 
his foes. He wants to bring them to justice, very similar to Batman in the comics, at least. Um, and then the last thing is, I think, one of the best choreographed fight scenes on television of all time is at the very end of this move, uh, this uh, episode. It's just one of the coolest, the way it was shot, the way, like I said, everything was choreographed, and just the, the feeling that you get when the fight's over and he's carrying that little boy out. I mean, this is what makes this, this is what makes the series what it is. I think that's, if you were to distill it down to the one moment, I think that would be one of the things for me is that I would show, like somebody said, well, you know, TV is kind of like this, you know, you know, I'm only interested in the movies or whatever. I'd show them this and say, Hey, take a look at this and see what you think about it. Right. Well, you know, that is true. And, uh, the fight scene that you're talking about is in an apartment complex in a, basically in a hallway. Right. And, uh, you get to this, it's like, you know that he's already been beaten up and he's been patched up by Claire, but now he's back at it again. Yeah, right, right. And somehow this time he's victorious, you know, and I think that some of that is due to the, some of the little information that's in that episode mm-hmm. about him focusing on what he was supposed to be doing instead of trying to channel his anger through it or something like that. Well, I think the other part of it is that you you go back and think about his monologue at the beginning of the first episode about Murdoch's, you know, they always get knocked down, but they come back up every time. Right. That is true. That is true. So uh, we see that that all ends in a good rescue. It's a good thing. Which takes us to episode three. Yeah. Which is Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Right. Which, uh, is that, that's not a boxing reference, right? Or is it? No, no, that's a reference to a joke in the, uh, in, in the episode itself. So this episode is focused on Wilson Fisk. And so he's revealed to be the kind of guy behind everything. And he's kind of the main big baddie of of the entire season. The whole arc really does deal with um, a lot of uh, different things. So we see this this uh, growth of Matt Murdock throughout the episode. And in parallel, or not just the episode, but the series itself. But in parallel, we also see this growth of uh, Fools and Fisk, who is also known as the Kingpin. And so uh, we get to see, I think this is the... Um, is this, this is the first time we see uh, Vanessa Mariana. Right, yeah. So this is the love interest that's introduced. Um, well, Wilson is looking at the uh, art. He's uh, she, She's an art exhibitor, I guess. And uh, there's this, you know, uh, painting. And it's, it's um, the, the joke was what do you, you know, people would, uh, you know, you show them a sheet of white paper. You know, what is this? It's a rabbit in a snowstorm. Because that's right, it was kind of a textured white right piece. It actually, as we see later on in the series, it looks like uh, plaster on drywall. Yes, uh, with a textured finish. But in this episode, also we get uh, Nelson and Murdoch working for Fisk, yes. unbeknownst to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, because. Of a bowling alley incident, right? 
where we and we saw at the beginning I remembered this part so well because the guy that was in the first episode with the doing part of the trafficking yes he we see at the beginning he's given this guy a gun and he says uh, I guarantee this thing will shoot every time right right and yeah. and it didn't yeah. of course it misfired yeah uh, so uh, they decide that they're going to have to. Uh, Foggy doesn't want to do it. He knows that there's something fishy about this, but Murdoch wants to do it because he wants to, you know, get closer to whoever's, yeah. you know, causing all this stuff. Right. You know, from uh, the incident at Union Allied. Yeah. Or with Union Allied. So, yeah. Uh, and is this also the episode where we see Wilson Fisk's background as well? At the very end. Um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not. I think it's, it might be the next one. Okay. Um, I think what happened is that this episode was all about defending the bowling alley guy, right. which was a, was a contract killer. But, but that, you know, the reason why I'm thinking that it was is because of the, uh, you know, name illusion well the illusion to the the rabbit in the snowstorm and the, the painting that he ends up purchasing right right because that that was the uh the reason why he likes the painting or it speaks to him is because uh he suffered you know tremendous abuse from his father um when he was a kid and he had to stare at a wall that was very similar texture to that painting and so that's why i'm right. thinking that the well, reason why it might have been the start of it but I don't think he shared that with Vanessa in this episode. I think we might get a little flashback, uh, just basically uh, the father's yeah. abuse. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I think maybe we should just, yeah. Let's let's not really like chronologically. I don't think it really matters for us to figure out where it is. Just the fact that okay. it happened, you know, and that's why it's called "Rabbit in the Snowstorm." Makes sense, right? And yeah, sure. And as a matter of fact, like I, we were, I said earlier, uh, the baggage is spread out over 13 episodes. So we get actually a little bit of everybody's backstory. There is, except for in this particular series, we don't find out anything about Karen's backstory. That's true. But just things that you really can't figure out. Yeah. Uh, and not until we get further down the line. But we do, uh, at the end of this, uh, this is where it gets a little bit graphic because they successfully, Matt kind of, uh, he speaks around uh, when they're defending this guy in court saying, uh, he says it was in self-defense. Um, the girl... Uh, that was there. It didn't come till after it, the fight was over. Yeah. Uh, the two other guys that were there refused to give statements. Yeah. Uh, so based on that, uh, you can't, uh, whether he's guilty or not, or whether he's evil or not, I think he said, uh, is not yours to judge. You have to judge on the evidence that you've been given. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he gets him off. Yeah. Based on that, but yeah. after the fact, yeah, he wants to know who hired him. Right, yeah, yeah, that's the important thing. He does find out that 
uh, he's able to, to have the, the guy give it up, right? He gives up who is really behind everything. Right. But once he tells him the name of who shall not be named, yeah. uh, he says that, you know, uh, Daredevil or Matt says he will protect him. And he says, no, you can't. Yeah. He says, uh, you'll get to my family, everybody I love. Yeah. My friends, my family and everything if he finds out. Right. And so he proceeds to commit suicide in a very graphic way. Yeah. Uh, which I thought, oh, man, really? You would rather do that than, you know, try to get away? Well, no. it's, it's clear that he has a screw loose, that guy does. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, only a psychopath would murder somebody with a bowling ball, right? Oh, yes, definitely. So, the but the interesting thing that you do brought up, and it's something that we can, uh, I think, talk about a little bit, is the justice system that we have, and that I think that it is, um, like you said, you're not uh, there, the, the judgment system that we have, especially the criminal justice system that we have, is not a... It's not a. It's what we call an adversarial system, in that it's the uh, people who are accused of a crime are presumed innocent until proven guilty, and that it's the job of the um, prosecutor, prosecutor. Thank you. Yeah, prosecutor, to uh, prove that guilt. And if they don't provide sufficient ev- evidence, and obviously the standard of evidence is dictated by the the level of crime. Uh, then if they don't do it, then it's not that the person is declared innocent if they're declared not guilty. And that's a different category than innocent. So um, we see that also in the Bible, that the standard of one or two witnesses are required to um, you know, find somebody guilty of a crime. And um, I think that that you know, is something that we should, we, we should be thankful for, that God provides us guidance in that, in his word. And that we live in a country that also uh, respects that, at least uh, on the books, right? Right. Well, in this series, what we find, uh, the bad guy is not a superhero. Right. He is a corrupt individual yeah. who has this thought that what he is doing is best for this city that he loves. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll talk more about that. I think that that is really right. It's uh, further down into it. Yeah. But I think that that's where we have to decide that. Yeah. Uh, we learn through this whole series that he has people everywhere. Right. On his payroll. Yes. Murdoch and Nelson and Murdoch were hired to uh, defend this guy, and they did it successfully. Right. So uh, they did their part. So there's really nothing that would lead uh, Fisk or any of his people to believe that they were bad. Yeah. You know, so it ends on that disturbing note. And uh, we go to episode four in the blood. Right. Right. Which has a uh, different director, too, by the way. Uh huh. Ken Gariardi or Gariardi. Yeah. Uh, But on this episode, uh, we get delving a little bit more into uh, Wesley's part. Yeah. Wesley seems to be dealing a lot more with Fisk's uh, 
uh, different things. Yeah. Uh, they somehow find out uh, the Russians go to the hospital, the guy that was in the dumpster, and they find out that Claire uh, was up there. It was Claire's apartment, so they take Claire and try to get her to talk, Yep, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. And we see it, this, I think, also we see... This was the episode that your mom stopped watching after the end of this episode. That's correct. Yes, because again, it gets disturbing at the end. But right, uh, Claire gets kidnapped yeah. by the Russians. Vladimir yeah. and his brother. We see that there's Matt finds out where they're at, and Matt shuts off the lights, and he winds up beating everybody up and gets Claire back. In the meantime, the love interest, Vanessa and uh, Fisk, are dining in a restaurant. And uh, Vladimir's brother says, Anatoly, I think his name is, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they interrupt. He gets really offended by that. And basically, he decides that he's going to the, he's gonna decide to sever relations with the, um, the Russians literally as well and with, uh, yes more than one way right yeah yeah so he does that and i like you said this is where mom dropped off at this point because unlike i think the episode before it ends pretty gruesomely this one is worse because the uh, with the with the one before it basically he impales himself on a spike and then that's the end of it but this uh decapitation via car door which happens at the very end of the episode is it takes a long time and it's really brutal, even though it's not like super visual. Like, I mean, it's some of it's, it's implied. not visual at all. Really. A lot right. of it is implied. Right. But the, um, the brutality of Fisk, you, you get to see that here because, you know, like I said, I do think that there was uh, the backstory previous to this because we can see that there, there's this smoldering rage and Wilson Fisk as his character, and then it just erupts at some point, and then it's just extremely violent. Right, and we actually get to delve into that a little further on yeah. uh, when they start dealing with a little bit of his backstory. Yeah. But, uh, and once you see further on, you understand this even better. Yeah. I think. But again, it an episode ends with something disturbing happening, happening, right. right? And which hits us into episode five, right? World on fire, right? Yeah, this one you have a, a subplot introduced that there's this um, uh, Tully. This is another character. He's this you know slum landlord, and Nelson and Murdoch are trying to get the the tenants there that are. Uh, they're under rent control. So this is a policy in New York that allows people to uh, rent a place and the prices don't go up. So um, the, the government imposes fixed pricing for um, you know rent, which... Right, when they've lived in the place a long time. Right, which ultimately turns into uh, bad things because when the government tries to get involved in set pricing and things like that, it, it messes with the supply and demand it creates shortages it's, it's it's not a good situation so obviously crime has come into that place at, at this point and so they're they're working on getting them 
uh, fixed up. And uh, Lena Cardones. It's uh, Card- one Cardenas. Lady. Yeah. Cardenas. Yes. Yeah. Senor Foggy. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there's there's more uh, tussling with the Russians, and basically, uh, the uh, murder of Anatoly is pinned on the man in the mask at this point, and so that that's pretty much kind of the big the big. Uh, plot points right. that happen in this one well so. fisk uh is explaining to his allies uh madame gao and uh, nobu and um owlsley what happened yes and he is setting things into motion where he was going to take over that trade right uh, or taking over that position yep and uh, you get Owsley and Nobu that are upset, really upset about it. And uh, Madame Gal, he uh, talks with her and she's like, well, how long before you take my trade? And then he was like, well, nope, that's never going to happen. And he asks her for a favor, which uh, we see towards the end of it when they... Are they? She sends some of her heroin workers with bombs on their backs to explode yeah. uh, some of the buildings that the Russians own. Right. So that becomes the world on fire. Right. Uh, we also get a thought into that uh, when Matt talks to Claire and tells her that uh, that's the only thing he can see when he looks. He sees a world on fire. Yeah. So we get that. We get uh, a whole big thing. Murdoch is trying to save Vladimir, if I'm not mistaken, on this. He gets to the point where, because he wants to find out where Fisk is and everything. Right. So, but for the most part, Fisk is successful. Yeah. In doing this. Yep, that's right. And so I think that heads us into episode six. Yeah, yeah. So it, it pretty pretty much takes play takes up where the last one left off. So they're in a condemned building. As as a matter of fact, uh, condemned is the name of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, there's these two cops we get introduced to Blake and Hoffman, other detectives, and they are basically on the uh, the payroll of. Um, Fisk, and so they're the corrupt cops, and basically uh, we fi- this is like the first part where uh, Fisk and Murdoch talk together. Uh, they actually exchange stuff over the radio, and um, you know they uh, Fisk tries to frame uh, Murdoch by having the uh, police sniper fire on the other officers from the roof of the warehouse, and then Blake is murdered, and uh, Yurik Ben Yurik the uh, reporter is also at the scene. So he witnesses this as well. Right. Well, actually, Blake isn't murdered. He's, but he's in a coma in the hospital. That's correct. Right. And so we're getting a lot of things going on here. Yep. Uh, Fisk is trying to take control of everything. Right. We he does, This is when Vladimir tells Matt about uh, Owlsley. Yeah. So that uh, is towards the end of that episode, actually, and Murdoch has to escape from that. 
Right, and he has to. Sewers. Right, his his plan was to save Vladimir, but Vladimir. He he said no. I'm I'm gonna die here, and he's gonna you know provide some cover for Matt to get away. So that's true. Yeah. So and Matt does get away. Yep. And uh, which uh, actually brings me to one of my favorite episodes. Stick. Uh huh. Is the next episode? Yeah, it is. Definitely one of the better uh, ones. Yes, I really enjoyed this because it really kind of gave you some insight into a new character, Stick. Right. Who actually trained him when he was young, but he is also uh, blind. Right. But well-versed and he is a really rough character and he has a whole nother agenda. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think that this is kind of where we get to know a little bit more about uh, Nobu. Yes. And also we are um, introduced to someone or something called the Black Sky. Right. Which we learned a lot more about in season two. But at this particular time. Yeah. Uh, we really didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, he, they, they show their backstory with, um, about Matt's training. Yeah. And how Matt tried to develop a relationship with Sticks, and Sticks was more about, uh, no, your training's over. Yeah. Cause he tried to make him something of friendship and, uh, he said no, but he at, later on asks Matt for help, and Matt tells him that as long as nobody gets killed. Right. And so that's when we learn that this uh, thing that's coming in the black sky is a small child. Right. And so Matt prevents him from killing the child. Right. Initially. Right. And that's where Nobu actually has his first um, confrontation with uh, the man in the black mask. And Styx later uh, tells him that, uh, uh, no big deal. Listen, I killed him anyways. You know, I went a little further away. Right. We also learned something about uh, Karen and Foggy meeting with Ben Urich. And talking with him about the investigation. Right. Uh, at the end, we see Sticks talking with some guy that's got a scarred back. He looks really huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and he asks Murdoch, I mean, he asks Sticks if uh, when the time comes, will Murdoch help him or will, will he do the right thing? And Sticks says, I have no idea. Right. And that's kind of how the episode ends. Right. Here we get kind of the introduction to what I call the Marvel mystic, where we have uh, a lot of interesting things going on in the uh, to talk about a little bit more about the man without fear. When Stick is talked about, you know, uh, Murdoch has this um, aura about him or he's got these special powers. And so he's destined for uh you know, a lot of things going on there. And, and you know, it's him and another person that uh, doesn't get introduced till season two and, and um, talked about only in like generalities here. But 
um, you know, there's lots of like ninja stuff going on um, with uh, with stick and everything. So it's very, very, I think, plot to, to kung fu type of thing it reminds me of. So he's a cruel master and, you know, he tells he helps the, uh, the hero um, train and uh, hone his powers. So, yes, yes. Very uh, again, uh, it was done very well and everything that was said every little tidbit it just it wet your appetite that you wanted more yeah like i told you once i started episode one i had to watch them all again right right yeah so uh that was episode seven episode eight shadows in the glass yep was the next one uh i think he uh matt confronts owlsley Yes. And, um, no, no, that was, he confronted him, I'm sorry, back in the other episode. And he got distracted by the old man. Yeah. And that's how he got away. That's uh-huh. how Owsley got away. So, right, right. All right. So we're done with that. Uh, Paige and Nelson, they bring Murdoch, Murdoch in, um, about wanting to stop Fisk. Yeah. And he's telling them, hey, we have to be careful. We got to stay out of harm's way. Use the legal system uh, rather than trying underhanded tactics. And yeah, you know, so they, he's kind of got them where he feels that they're on a safe path. Uh, but from that point, uh, we also find out that Blake woke up in the hospital. Right. And now we see. Uh, again, another evil side of Fisk. Right. When he tells Blake's partner, Hoffman. Right. That he needs to kill Blake. Right, exactly. And he, he ends up doing that. He smuggles in a uh, some sort of drug that he puts into his IV system to kill him. And uh, at the very last, his dying breath, he tries to give information to Murdoch. And um, I don't think he gets anything out of him, right? Well, I'm not sure. We di- we aren't le- we aren't uh, led to believe anything because of uh, he has to leave right away, and yeah. they go into another part of the story. Yeah, but he does he does get a little bit of information on Fisk. I'm not positive what it was, but yeah, he is uh, since. Fisk is dealing with Vanessa or having starting this relationship with Vanessa. Yeah. Uh, Gal, uh, he meets with Gal and she's warning him that, hey, he's uh, not acting like the same ruthless guy he's been acting like. Right. You know, that he needs to maybe uh, refocus on what he's supposed to do. That right. If he he's, doesn't. He's too emotional. He's getting careless. Yeah. Right. That if he doesn't, that. They will figure out a way to straighten it out. Yeah. And this is also the episode where we learn about uh, Fisk killing his father as a child. Yep. Because he was beating his mother. Yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think this is uh, part of that episode is where the father is trying to toughen him up. Right. And some guy had beat up a big kid beat up on Wilson. Right. And so the father takes him to the kid who's a little bit older than Wilson. Yeah. But the father beats him down 
and then tells him, tells Wilson to kick the kid. Right, right. And to keep kicking him. And then we see that same thing when he murders his father. Right, right. He takes the hammer and he says the same thing. Kick him again, kick him again, kick him again. And to me, that's also the same as what he did with the car door. Yeah. You know, so that rage and anger is something that uh, he has. But, you know, can you use that as an excuse? Yeah, I don't know. You know, know, because, I mean, we all uh, have been through different tribulations in our life. And how we, what we do with those tribulations and how we, it's a building of character. And we choose the direction that we choose to go into mm-hmm. based on those things. Yeah. So was it his father's fault that he turned out the way he did? Or is it his own fault that he turned out the way he did? Or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think that, so I think that uh, his father is definitely responsible for uh, his own uh, murder, right? So if it wasn't for him abusing uh, his wife and his son, I don't think he would have, that wouldn't have happened to him. And I don't think Wilson as a child should have been um, held liable or, yeah, liable is the right legal term, liable for the death of his father. He was... He clearly was acting in self-defense there, you know, and he was protecting, he was protecting his mother, right? Right. And himself in, in, in some way, you know, like, cause obviously he was being abused by his dad as well. I mean, that's, um, not as, uh, you know, graphic as what's happening to his mom, but yeah, you're right. In, it was in defense of his mom. So I think that was totally, he was justified there. And, you know, even if, uh, he was caught that, you know, um, justice would demand that he would not uh, suffer uh, any murder charges because of that, because of what uh, Bill Fisk was doing. So, um, but but you're right. Uh, what at, at that after that, everything else that he's done, I think, you know, obviously he is responsible for Wilson is. So, you know, all the, the criminal things, everything else, it's not because of his father I mean, his father, had, you know. Obviously. Well, uh, what about his mother? I mean, she helped him cover it up. So, yeah, was that the message that she was sending him? That, hey, you did. Yeah, that was a horrible thing. But there's a way to get around it. Yeah, yeah, I think there there might be some. some there's something to that. And then the other part of it that we don't get to see is that uh, what we do find out later is that she actually was married two other times and who's to say uh what uh the relationships between those two men were to to fisk as well so right and we do get something where he tells vanessa that after his father after he killed his father that he got sent away yes yeah so we don't know how that relationship came out either right Right. So there's lots of things going on there, but I would agree that uh, at least in the uh, event of him murdering his own father, I don't think that was necessarily uh, something that 
you know, it might have started him on the path, but uh, he had to make a conscious choice to keep going on that path uh, later on. And what really he should have, what he needed was someone to step in and help him out through that. He needed another, you know, obviously she sent him away, but I guess whoever she sent him to didn't really do a good job of trying to help him recover from that. And, and maybe in their defense, they didn't know what all happened there, you know? Right, because the mom probably told him, hey, don't say anything. Right. So uh, anyways, we also get at the end of this, this is like the Murdoch has been gathering information and he decides to go to uh, Ben, yep. Eric. Right. And so he tells him, listen, uh, we need to bring this guy out in the open. Uh, this is all the information I have. Yeah. On all the things that he does. And Ben starts to write the story. And the next thing you see is Fisk on television coming out in the open. Yeah. Basically, they almost preempt all that from happening. And it seems like it was Vanessa's idea to do that. Yes. Yes. Which she uh, seems to be influencing influencing Fisk a lot more. Yeah. And part of that, I, I can see... It's interesting, like, it's like um, this tactic of, you know, it's going to be revealed anyway, so might as well come out and take control of how it comes out. It makes sense uh, to do that. It's it's a brilliant move made by, you know, prompted by Vanessa, but also handled, executed well by Fisk about, you know, coming out. Because that, that was the other thing, is that when uh, he finds out that name back in the, the third episode... They try searching on the internet. They can't find anything about this guy at all. So it's interesting. Yes. Yes. And so, again, things aren't looking positive for them. Yeah. They thought they were getting ahead of the jump. But anyways, episode nine. Speak of the devil. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) let's – we we do have a clip for this one because there's an interesting exchange that – Matt has with the priest at the beginning of this. So we'll talk about this episode and then maybe we'll wrap things up here for, for part two and then do a part three. How's that sound? That sounds pretty awesome. Okay, good. So let's listen to Matt and the priest talk about the devil and then we'll talk about it. Do you believe in the devil, Father? You mean as a concept? No. Do you believe he exists? In this world, among us. You want the short answer or the long one? Just the truth. When I was in seminary, I was more studious than pious, more skeptical than most of my peers. I had this notion which I was more than willing to speak about at length to whoever I could corner, that the devil was inconsequential, minor figure in the grand scheme. Not very Catholic of you. Uh In my defense, in the scriptures, the Hebrew word Satan actually means adversary. It's applied to any antagonist. Angels and humans, serpents and kings. Medieval theologians reinterpreted those passages to be about a single monstrous enemy. 
And in my youthful zeal, I was certain I knew why. Propaganda played up to drive people into the church. So you don't believe he exists? Am I done talking? Sorry. Years later, I was in Rwanda trying to help local churches provide aid and sanctuary to refugees. I'd become close with the village elder, Kahiji. He and his family had the respect of everybody, Hutu and Tutsi alike. He'd help them all through famines, disease. The militia liked to force Hutu villagers to murder their neighbors with machetes. But nobody would raise a hand against Kahiji. They said, how can we kill such a holy man? So the militia commander sent soldiers with orders to cut his head off in front of the entire village. Kahiji didn't try to put up a fight, just asked for the chance to say goodbye to his family. By the time he was done, even the soldiers didn't want to kill him. So they went to their commander and asked permission to shoot him. At least give him a quick death. The commander wanted to meet this man who had won the respect of so many. He went to Gehichi, talked with him in his hut for many hours. Then he dragged him out in front of his village and hacked him to pieces. Along with his entire family. In that man who took Kahichi's life, I saw the devil. So yes, Matthew. I believe he walks among us taking many forms. What if you could have stopped him from ever hurting anyone again? Stopped him how? Yeah, so it's interesting, uh, his answer. Oh, yes, definitely. And I think that that um, does give you a good analogy of evil. Of pure evil. Yeah. You know, and uh, he's, uh, Matt is seeking guidance from him about, you know, what to do because Mm. Matt, up to this point, hasn't uh, killed anybody. Right. At least not that he knows of, you know. Uh, it was if anybody, anything got, anybody got killed, it was from something that somebody else did. Right. Um, but I found the way that this was done and the way the director directed this, how it was kind of quiet until you got to the point where the commander came in. Right. And it started building up that made it even more intense. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I would be remiss to kind of cover some of the theological points that the the priest is making and hopefully provide a little more insight to them. Um, Certainly, 
he is correct in his assertion that the word Satan, the Hebrew word, uh, does, uh, in a general sense, does mean adversary. But, um, and he says that, you know, it was medieval theologians that reinterpreted any time that was used, it was, uh, you know, this one single singular person. And I would just say that the uh, New Testament would disagree with him. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I think it's uh, John in the book of Revelation tells us that the serpent, who is considered Satan in uh, the book of Genesis, is the same Satan that is the devil, um, Lucifer, right? So it's not it's not just some reinterpretation that happened uh, in the medieval times. It's, it's something that we get actually from a consistent reading of the Bible. If you read it, everything in its totality— and take everything in its proper context, and we realize that the New Testament kind of informs how we're supposed to look at the Old Testament, then you get that uh, holistic view that Satan uh, is an angelic being that was cast out of heaven, and a lot of times the his influence and forces, maybe indirectly even, uh, are uh, happening there. So there is the, and I think you said uh, pure evil. I think that there's a better, uh, like a personal evil, probably be a, a better explanation that it, there's a personal evil that does exist and it does want to steal, kill, and destroy, as, uh, as Christ said. So, um, and I think maybe also that what the priest said that, yes, he's walking around in many different forms or, uh, if, you allow yourself to be caught up in the evil, then you could be used, just like we always pray to be used as an instrument for God. Right. Somebody obviously could do that the opposite way, too, I would assume. Yes. Right? Yep. I agree. Because, and uh, it's very terrifying that there are people out there like that. You actually, uh, now that we're in this... uh, uh, COVID-19 time yeah. frame to see that there are still people out there trying to take advantage and steal from people uh, at this time of great need yeah, or e- even, you know, selling their masks for four times the prices um all kinds of things evil that are going on well i i don't know about i i'm not really I, I don't know about increased prices being evil that doesn't necessarily that that is just a response to demand um I, well, I, i'm not, i'm not going to go that far I, i'm not making a value judgment on somebody increasing their prices due to demand well uh, okay increase prices six times the price it like I said, it's about demand. It's, it's, it's not. So it, okay. yeah, it's, it's not, All right. I, I don't, I'm, I think that that is a neutral thing. It's not, a, it's not a good or evil thing because what ends up happening is that the, per, the cost to produce those masks end up uh, rising. And so in order to compensate, to make more masks, you need to increase your prices. It's just, we'll, we'll, we can get into that some other time. We're already a little bit uh, over than yes, what we wanted to go. Yes, we're, yeah, okay. It's, so all right. let's – I'm going to quickly summarize what happens in okay. this episode and then we'll talk about it, okay? All right. All right. So after that uh, encounter that Matt has with the priest, 
uh, we find out that uh, he decides to try to track down Fisk through Vanessa. So he goes, visits Vanessa. Fisk obviously freaks out about this. And he makes a deal with the Japanese, with Nobu in particular, saying, hey, I'll give you a city block if you take out Murdoch. And that city block in question happens to be the same block that Miss Cardenas is in. And she is murdered by a junkie in this episode. And so uh, when uh, they find out about that, and obviously it's it's a very shocking thing that ends up happening. And um, when... Murdoch uh, tries to track down Fisk. He goes into an abandoned warehouse where the uh, Nobu is there. And so we kind of see this throughout the episode of them fighting and it kind of flashes back and forward. So it plays the timeline a little bit in this particular one. But um, the fight scene between Nobu and Murdoch is is really, um, really cool. I think it's part of the highlight of the, the episode. Uh, yes, it is. And uh, just a little differently uh, to what you were saying uh, that uh, Fisk does talk to Murdoch, but he tells uh, Nob- Nobu or that he needs help with the man in the black mask. Right, yeah. And that he, not uh, Murdoch himself, though, he doesn't know that Murdoch is the man in the black mask. That's correct. Yeah. I right, think- so uh, I know. I'm just trying to keep things correlated. Okay. Uh, yeah. And also at the end of this episode, yeah. uh, Nobu is burning up and gets burnt up and Fisk encounters Murdoch and tells him that that was his plan all along Yeah, to get rid of Nobu and to get rid of the man in the black mask. Right, right. And then the, the big plot point at the very end is Foggy finds out that Matt is the man in the mask. Yes, and that ends episode nine. Right. And that's the end of our episode today. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think it does help us, uh, you know, we'll, 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 there's a lot going on in the last couple episodes. And so we'll, we'll get to that uh, next week if that, uh, if that'll work. Oh, yes, that definitely will work. And I think we did a real good job summing up, uh, up to episode nine. I, again, I will encourage anybody that uh, is, has the stomach for it to go ahead and watch season one of Daredevil uh, if you can. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or it is. is it? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Okay. And what about, is it on Disney Plus? It is not. Um, I don't think it will be on Disney Plus. Just, And that is one thing that we should say about it is that due to the graphic nature of it, it would not belong on Disney Plus. So, um yeah, like I said, I don't know how long they'll they'll keep it on there. I think they will because it's really successful. But uh, watch it while you can. That's right. And um, remember to tell your friends. We encourage you that uh, to go back and if you missed episode one, part one, uh, to go back and listen to that before you listen to this. Yeah. And uh, hope to hear from you next week. Yes, or, absolutely. It'll be a wonderful time, and we're going to continue to pray for everybody uh, that this virus, that you won't get infected with the virus, or if you do, that you will be able to be successful in, in beating the virus. Yep. All right. All right. Thank you all for, for joining us. We'll see you next week. We'll talk more Daredevil, and like, like uh, Pop said, check us out on Facebook. 
And uh, if you got any feedback, email us at popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye and God bless. Yes, goodbye and God bless. Tell your friends.